0: Hi, welcome to Literature, League.
1: a podcast about teaching literature. I'm Margaret Mulk and I'm Paige Wallace. And today we
0: are tackling the single novel.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so funny it's funny that we, we saw the thread on Twitter asking yeah. how you would teach a single novel course. and we had already like planned to cover this, um, so it feels timely. Yeah, it seems like something that people
0: are thinking about, which which is exciting, um, because it just feels like there's energy around it,
1: you know? Yeah, and I, I think I'm interested in it because it's something I've never done before, and it's also something that I, I was never in a one-novel class. Margaret, were you ever in a one-novel class? I was. Ooh. I
0: took a Ulysses class in undergrad, okay. uh, so that was actually kind of part of my path to getting my PhD was in undergrad I became very obsessed with Irish literature I studied abroad in Ireland I went and got my master's trying to focus on Irish and so on and now I do modernism which I was interested in, in Irish modernism but so it's just expanded but yeah, um, so, it was a whole so just, class on Ulysses.
1: Is the, the, then is there pressure that the one novel class will either decide whether they're going to grad school or not?
0: Um, no, because I'd actually decided this before I took the class. So okay. I took this class my second semester senior year. Um, yeah, it would be second semester senior year. It ended up being a lot of my friends who weren't English majors were in the class. We did not know we were all taking it, I think, um, which maybe goes into why take, a one novel class which we'll talk about i know but there there were these non-english majors uh, my friends who were taking it because they felt like you should read ulysses by the time you graduate college mm-hmm. kind of deal. like there was this idea of it as cultural capital if they didn't read it now they never would um and we were going to walk through it with someone i'll say that my professor i probably did not get as much out of the class as I wish I would have, and part of it was just, it was a very, um, the movie idea of an English class in a lot of
1: ways. Okay. <laughs> you
0: know what I mean? Like where <laughs> there was a lot of like pondering in class. Did I pers-
1: stand on a desk?
0: No, um, I did turn in a paper where the last page had gotten pulled off, um, I, or it didn't sta- get stapled because this was back when you turned in hard copy papers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I had written about um, castration anxieties in Ulysses, because of course. And he sent me an email asking me if I had metaphorically castrated my paper.
1: <laughs> and we were like, yeah, we'll go with that. No, because he,
0: the next <laughs> part was. Um, that would not work for a seminar paper it would be better suited for like an experimental like mediation I wish I still had the email but I don't but I was like no it just um didn't make it in I have it <laughs> And I think I like attached it to the email um but then he forgot that that had happened that same week and he talked about it in class like saying like what time a student did this and I was like me I am a student and he sent me another email apologizing which I wasn't hurt by I thought it was the whole thing was funny because like of course that would happen when you write a paper about like castration that yeah. you're but um but he was like that sort of scattered professor that just like it the whole class was stream of conscious and he wasn't always in the present moment it seemed okay so it was a I mean. It was a good class, um, but it wasn't as focused as maybe I would like a class I taught in a single novel to be.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Just a different style.
0: Yeah, a different style. <laughs> yeah. But it, was, it really. was really interesting and it was fun to kind of be this mix of English uh, majors, non-English majors. You had people who had read a lot of Joyce before, people who had never read Joyce. So it very much was like in all levels.
1: I also think maybe for some students, they might be a certain sect of students might be inclined to take a class that only reads one novel. Yeah. And I'm not sure if you, you know, yeah, do you want them to take it for that reason? Definitely not for that reason alone, but, um, it might, you know, get some students through the door. Um, and then you have some work to do.
0: Yeah. That's true. Like <laughs> to, to show that one novel doesn't mean
1: no one reading. One. <laughs> yeah.
0: No. So why would you teach a single novel course page?
1: Well, I think that it's sort of, it takes some of the pressure off. So like it isn't less reading um, necessarily, but I do think it takes like a little bit of the pressure off to like, to, so like in a normal class, you're reading like how many novels? Like five, six novels, right? Um, And there's just sort of like a constant, like I'm Kind of inhaling these novels, like as an undergrad, right? And I think a one novel class takes a little bit of that pressure off and and gives you time to really sit with a text and do some in-depth kind of work that when you're you're kind of just going through them um not that you're not doing in-depth stuff but there's only so much time right and for me as as the person teaching the class I'm I'm constantly sort of like wow I, I wish I had more time for that I wanted to go into that more so on and so forth and and one novel kind of gives us that idea of like reading as like critical reading as rereading um and that potential to really sort of scaffold in moments of rereading so that students can see like the value of that right like that it's not always just that first reading and and we know that you, you know, our students have lives and jobs and, and other classes. And so in a traditional class, that's covering a span of novels. They don't have time to do that rereading. Um, and so they miss some of that, that like really like that critical engagement with the text.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's really interesting. Like thinking about, they do probably only read the novel once, even if they're writing, a paper on it because they just go back through to the parts that they think are relevant for their paper which again time management skills (laughs) like that's what's what's possible um but i like that that idea and also thinking about sitting with a text and reflection and i talk about this with my students sometimes but this that the way academia is set up is that it's very performance oriented that you have to perform what you learned so that someone can evaluate you, and this is a larger, not problem, but um, trend. Like with social media, that when we learn something, you have to perform your knowledge of it on social media. So, like when a celebrity dies, you have to tweet about it or Instagram about it to like demonstrate that you have heard this information. Um, So I talk about with them like well when do you reflect on on the knowledge like process what not just what you learned and that you know it but how does it affect the way you interact with the world see the world how you identify yourself like where it fits in with your other knowledge bases Um, and how even it can just like make you feel and I don't always love to do like super emotional stuff in my classes but thinking just sometimes learning can be painful because it, it challenges us and it forces it. and sometimes just like sitting with that discomfort um but if you have to read six seven eight novels you don't have time to sit so it's easy to dismiss that novel as like I didn't like that because it made me feel weird uh, versus what was that novel trying to do Right. Why did they show so many insects eating people? (laughs) Sorry, that was a Burroughs novel.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, like that question of like, or being able to get to questions beyond like, I just liked it or I disliked it.
0: Yeah. And you also, yeah, exactly. And also something you were saying before of like, I don't know what you said that provoked it, but it made me realize that when you read multiple novels in a class one of the goals is for your students to see the trends throughout, throughout all the novels totally. but that means they're reading the novels in light of the novels we've read that semester so they're going to focus on the themes that have already been brought up by the previous novels or like the symbols that have already been used and so they won't necessarily focus on other things in the novels they're currently reading because the scaffolding has already taken place. And it would be kind of, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing because that's obviously the goal a lot of times if you're focusing like on a specific theme, but with a single novel class, you're not reading that novel necessarily in context of other works. You can, but sometimes you're just assessing that novel itself. Yeah. And what you want to focus on in it.
1: We, we talked a little bit about buy-in, so students thinking that a particular novel has cultural capital, mm-hmm. um, being intrigued by the idea of just covering one novel in a class. Are there any other sort of buy-in moments that you could think of? I think there's this
0: understanding of like an appreciation for craft mm-hmm. that you can really dive deep into just like art appreciation. Which again, like you're not rushing through it, so you can take these moments. Um, this did not happen in a single novel class, but I always think about my professor for postmodern. I think I've referenced him before, but um, one of the things he did with some of our novels was he would look for, have us look for what he called the tour de force moments, where he was like, it's sort of this self-contained moment of the novel where it's really in its groove it encapsulates kind of what the novel is all about um and it's just this particularly powerful moment and I love doing that now when I read novels like oh this is like the novel's tour de force moment like this is really it's like kernel But I don't think they necessarily have to have just one. But thinking about that, like appreciation for just like, you know what, this is a really strong moment in this novel. Like this is like, it's like soprano solo, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but it really helped me as a student develop that appreciation for craft. Like what is the novel doing in this moment? How is it crafting such a powerful moment? Um, What techniques are allowing it to do that? How is it uh, presenting themes? And so to be able to do that sort of work with a novel as a whole, I think students would be really interested in. Um, do, you, do you have any other buy-in moments you're thinking about
1: or? No, I don't think so. I think that that kind of covers really what the buy-in is. And, and maybe the other part of this would be like your buy-in from your department, right? Yeah. Um, which again, I think that this isn't like, I mean, they're traditional sort of one novel classes. Um, But if you branch out right from Ulysses, um, you have to make some sort of argument for the value of that text uh, and spending a whole semester on it.
0: Yeah. And I think like there's the general arguments you can make um in terms of the skills it develops so not just like appreciation but really spending that time with one novel allows you to really hone your students like close reading skills analytical skills their writing skills all of that which could be a buy-in moment for students as well if you (laughs) kind of mark like not market it but in the course description like talk about this is a chance to develop your informational literacy the your your writing skills etc
1: um so I, where, I now that you're saying that it's making me think about how well this could work for like a second semester comp class yeah you know um so again maybe not a ulysses text but something else uh, um
0: parable of the Sower.
1: yeah i was
0: talking yeah. to page about this the other day that not not in light of the one novel class until you just said it i'm like oh i guess it would be a one novel class if you just did Parable of the Sower. But there's much about writing. in a comp class,
1: yeah. That would be really interesting. Mm -hmm. So, definitely. Do we wanna talk about some of the assignments that we might?
0: Yeah.
1: Because that's related to this idea of skills, right?
0: Yeah, so when I was brainstorming for this, it was really difficult, I think, for me to come up with general assignments that all the assignments would really depend for me on what the novel is. That's fair. And so I think it depends on how you want to structure your course because you can have it be like where you're using one novel to explore writing or one novel to explore different the theoretical theory. lenses yeah. and all of that. And so the assignments would shift based
1: off of that, but mm-hmm. also
0: the themes in the novel itself. What about
1: you? Well, I guess I was thinking about whether or not I would have, so let's say we're having a 16 week course. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think that I would like have a chapter per week or something like that. Like I I think that, or it would impact my assignments as to whether or not I did that. Like we're gonna spend the entire semester reading the book once through or we're going to read it in the first half and then reread it in the second half and that reread would include some group assignments some annotation assignments and that's sort of the model that I'm that I would lean towards but I think you're right that it would depend on what text yeah So
0: thinking like um when you said one chapter a week the Ulysses class was essentially one chapter a week we read the first three chapters together and then I think after that it was about a chapter a week but that's just because it's so long and and thinking about typically the one novel classes are just those beasts of a novel (laughs) at like so uh Paradise Lost, Moby Dick, Time and Punishment like but I don't think they necessarily have to be like like what you were saying you can reread a text and and built that into the semester. Um, And I was thinking about that with the novel uh, Picnic at Hanging Rock by Joan Lindsay, which is 16 chapters. And I was thinking you could read the novel probably in the first quarter of the semester, like four chapters a week, something around there. Um, And for those of you who have never read it, Picnic at Hanging Rock is about a disappearance that these students mysteriously vanish one day, um, on a picnic at a, from a school in Australia, and the novel is like about the fallout, and you never find out what happened to them, except the author had a very specific reason of what happened to them. So I think it'd be fun to teach the read the novel first with no knowledge of what happened to them, and then read it again, but rather in four weeks, in two weeks, since it's more familiar with that knowledge of this is what happened. So how does it affect your reading? That still leaves about half the semester. I think with that, I would really want to do group work, to have students broken up into small groups, each group working with a uh, single theme or image that uh, comes up again and again throughout the novel. So like picking up Hanging Rock, I was thinking um, like sirens, mermaids, flowers, uh, family, some others. And then the class as a whole is working with the idea of time. And... I was thinking of like what kind of group work they would do. Like I think presentation where they talk about it, maybe like some uh, flash essays that they work together on. And then also maybe doing some archival work, like allowing (laughs) it to be a research class where if we're digging deep, let's see how deep we can go. But that's again, because Picnic at Hanging Rock isn't that long of a text. Mm. Um, So I don't think it would work necessarily with everything
1: else. But you also wanted to do a two-read. I was also thinking about how much reading, like number of pages do I sign mm-hmm. per week? And is that realistic? And, and I was like, you know what? That's something that I need to trace more in my teaching is, because I think about units and assigning text based on like whatever unit we're working on and page numbers vary. And I think that, you know, that's something you can't escape. But like, what's the min max? that you assign per week. And so that's a thing that I kinda wanna crowdsource a little like in terms of like, what do other people think the min max is? Um, Cause I would do Richard Powers, The Overstory, which is what, I have it here. So it's uh, like 500 pages, it's yeah. Realistically, I think you could read that twice in a single semester. Yeah, um, Yeah, and so what I would do is I would have them, we would read it through once. And I would pair each section with uh, like an eco crit- critical text. And then I would have them read it a second time, um, having that knowledge, right? So, like, now, now you have the sort of understanding of eco criticism as a whole, and the trends, and the changes, and the trajectories, uh, at least, like, somewhat, right? And we might do some sort of like timeline, sort of group assignments, rights for the different, like, um, you know, like what about post colonial eco criticism, feminist eco criticism, the timeline between like critical race theory and civil rights and eco crit and poverty and, and so on and so forth during our first read. And then a second read, I would really focus on the idea of roots and um, rhizomatic knowledge and um, how to trace different sort of themes and ideas visually through Mm -hmm. the text, because there are a lot of places that, that it's hard, it was hard for me to connect dots with this text. And so I think having students sort of think through like how they see connections would be helpful. And I, With the reread, I don't know if I'd make them reread the entire text or if I'd let them as a group choose sections that they wanted to work with and map out. And so because each of the sections is is sort of this could be read as a kind of story of its own. And Mm so what happens when you unpack those on their own? What happens when you pair them together and unpack like, is there potential for group, like if this is a group assignment for one group to do Patricia's story and then another group to do Douglas's story and then- Oh, so like go through my characters? Well, I mean, and that's how the sections are arranged is by like the characters. I mean, later we get trunk, crown, and seeds, right? I mean, so there are different ways that they're arranged. Thinking about that structure, like trunk, crown, and seeds- what kind of things could they pull from it to create that sort of network knowledge now that they have read the entire thing in conjunction with some crit theory?
0: I like too that that allows you, that image of the tree allows you to play both with like the surface level initial reading and then going underneath the surface, like what you're saying with roots of yeah. that second, third reading, like that's where you're getting deeper into it of not just that, what are you seeing but what's happening underneath this
1: yeah and I think I would have like minor assignments like a presentation where they do um like an artifact Mm -hmm. like um like you know the a weird world artifact that is in this text but also like so national parks pop up in 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 the text right and what's a sort of examination of a national park uh, um and the sort of weirdness that happens right with like selfie culture in national parks um and yeah
0: I think I was actually thinking of a class similar to that but it's on the flip side so rather than thinking necessarily about theory thinking about ways texts build off of other texts taking a novel that is incredibly well All novels, I think, are referential to an extent, but (laughs) a novel that you're familiar with those references that you can help your students work through it and pair it with those texts that it's reading. So even though on the uh, surface level, you're doing a one novel class, you're actually reading a number of other works of fiction. Right. They might be short stories or excerpts of novels. Like you won't necessarily read a whole nother novel, but to see how cultural works respond to cultural works that is the ongoing conversation and how do we um not only identify those references but how do those references give meaning how do those references show a shift over time that the way we are interpreting these works and responding to them um how do they show this evolution in language and so on um and i think If I taught that sort of class, I would actually do it as a class about the ethics of annotation, which I talk about. (laughs) But thinking about like, what do we focus on in a text? What do texts see as culturally valuable? Like if a text is referencing something, it's seeing it as culturally valuable. Um, So what gets included? What doesn't? Um, How would you choose to annotate it? So I would want to pick a novel that was in public domain. So that would be our ongoing assignment over the course of the semester, students would be building this digital annotation of the text and their final paper would not be a term paper, it would be sort of this reflection on what do you now think are the ethics of annotations? At what point are we overwriting a text and all of that? And so they would be reading these other fictional works, but also critical short critical texts throughout the semester on annotation on literary criticism, and and that sort of work
1: but yeah I love that I think that like the idea of doing like a semester-long annotation project is very appealing to me I really want to do it obviously I
0: have never done it so I can't imagine the pitfalls and I'm sure there are many <laughs> but yeah be really excited to hear if anyone's done something like that because I do think it's becoming
1: not a popular assignment but I
0: think it's something people are doing more
1: yeah absolutely I, I think I also have thought through how over, I could use overstory, the overstory in um, like an American literature, like nature writing survey course mm. and kind of in that way of pairing it with other shorter texts, uh, probably not other novels, but um, excerpts and things that sort of give us that trajectory, right? Or that survey of American literature, specifically nature writing, Yeah, because even though we talked
0: in the beginning about like really appreciating one novel, not rushing through it with other texts, um, and not, and I talked about not reading it in light of other texts, but I do think it's important for students to understand that nothing exists in a vacuum. Something's always
1: responding to something. Yeah, and I think that when you're talking about specifically like not reading it with other texts, that's different than what we're saying with yeah limiting
0: it to like one theme that unites uh, a number of different texts rather than what can what are all the number of themes one text can hold
1: yeah and like we when you like you said when you read a novel in conjunction in a class with other novels they're influencing the readings right which so I guess um my brain
0: broke Thinking about all of these, Um, I'm going to totally pivot and say, because I've been hypothesizing with you now about like texts that I would want or classes I would want to teach, but never have. Mm -hmm. When we we were preparing for this episode, it did occur to me that I have taught a single novel course, but not in the traditional sense. I did it for the intro to English studies class where we had to cover poetry poetry uh, drama and fiction but i was teaching in the summer course so i had to do it all in six weeks and they had certain required assignments they had to do so the way i chose to balance it was we were only going to read one novel as our fiction and i chose madeline miller Circe, which i think came out
1: 2017
0: 2015 i think so yeah um and it's her telling of the story of Circe the Sorceress from the Odyssey but she links it with a lot of other Greek mythology and creates this epic and um, I was interested in this idea of sort of creating a modern epic but I used it so all of our poetry were adaptations of Greek mythology um, interpretations of the original Odyssey um, The uh, for drama we watched a movie and we watched Oh Brother Where Art Thou okay. um, and so it was all working towards reading this novel with the Odyssey in mind and how, how was she adapting the Odyssey. I think though you could flip it where you're not leading up to the novel, but you use the novel to sort of start out with. Right. And again, think through the, like, the background of the myth. Um, when we actually read the novel, I paired different chapters with different critical texts that weren't about um, the novel itself. It was like how we use monsters to represent disability and vice versa, and we need new ways to consider disability in cultural artifacts. Um, talking about like tra- um, transformation and myths, and what does that symbolize in our psyches, c- our cultural psyches. So it was like all these different, basically teaching them like these are the different theoretical lenses some scholars use to analyze work. Not saying any of these are the best or worst, they're just <laughs> right. available. Um, so it was sort of like a Maybe theory overview, but it felt more like a close reading like these are all the all the information you need to close read a text and so the assignments we did with that we started with the annotations then we started with a review and then uh, for the review they were focusing on a theme and then they expanded that to their uh, literary analysis and it was they they talked about it at the end of class that on one hand, they liked that they were able to build those skills and it really allowed us to practice them in class and get more feedback. But on the other hand, they were really done with the novel by the end. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that was
0: only six weeks. Three weeks, really. It's not, a, it's a longer novel, but it's an easy read that you can right, probably sure. read it in a weekend, like the average reader. So I, it does make me think you would need sort of complicated text that really you have to unpack Uh, I think an easy read they're gonna be like yeah what I read it (laughs) I don't need to
1: and and so like that what one of the things we pointed out when we were putting this together is that a lot of the books that we came up with off the bat are men that's fine but our list is a lot of men I was thinking about someone like Barbara Kingsolver and the Poisonwood Bible it's about 500 pages and have you ever read that, Margaret? I haven't. Okay. I think it could be a really interesting conversation about like colonialization and religion and indoctrination and, and sort of, and then there's all these sort of environmental themes as well. But I also think that it's a book that you can get through pretty quickly. Not because they're not things to unpack. I, I There are things to unpack there, but I don't know, maybe I just like, it's a book that I read fairly quickly. It, it draws you in. And so there are positives to that, but also my worry would be that students would sort of inhale it and then be ready to to move on from it quicker. And I did see
0: that. So we referenced that there was a Twitter thread about it. And I did see that come up in one of the responses that someone talked about how their students were kind of sick of it by the end. And, and so they actually readjusted the rest of their semester accordingly, like talked with their students like, well, do you wanna read something else? And they agreed to that. So I think there has to be a willingness to change course when Mm -hmm. teaching a class like this and to readjust. Um, You might want a backup plan going into
1: it. Well, I wonder if then it would even make sense To have some sort of like large project at the end of this yeah where you're spending class time working on that and and like collaboratively working on a large project might help because I I imagine some of it is just the monotony not to say like that uh, you know the discussions are monotonous but coming every day to talk about the same book uh, you'd have to do something to sort of not just kind of immediately go to the same themes over and over the same points or the same stylistic conversations or or whatever to just avoid that monotony. I
0: think it would be really fun to do an online exhibit, which I often assign. So I'm biased. Yes. but Building like, like you could have your students sign up to be on different committees and like they work together to assemble what they think are the essential artifacts for this. And You work as a class together for how do you want to do the design layout to make it cohesive but you could do like the the um, one committee is focusing on like the primary materials so thinking about like the author's drafts the authors maybe like letters things like that photographs whatever else you could have one on like the committee of like the historical context one committee on adaptations or or things like and There's a number of other things you could do. You could also break it down by theme, like one on gender, one on like-
1: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and I was gonna say, then you could give students the option to, to choose their own text to read, to add to the conversation. And that could be really cool. Like, and it could be a group style. So like the first half of the semester could be focused on your text, your single text. And then the second half focused on that exhibit and then have them do some sort of like book club right? Like your group chooses a book to read and you come up with your own discussion questions and how it, some sort of reflection as to why you chose it and what it has to do with your one novel and then contribute that to the online exhibit as well. Yeah, that would be
0: cool. I also like the idea of building a class where you're really teaching the students, like how do you find valuable, I keep saying artifacts because I don't want to just say theory or or critical works because it's not just that though that's an important Mm -hmm. part of it and i say that because i feel like our students know how to do key term searches they know how to find you know articles and books that are tangential to their arguments their work but they don't necessarily know how to find like oh this text is something that's foundational for the field Um, They don't know how to delve into an archive and that's not on them. That's because they've never been taught that. I feel like I had to teach myself that during grad school. And so what if we use the one novel class to really help them develop their research skills, their information literacy skills, and their ability to compile information on a subject that's not just, oh, this is all about the same key term, but this, These are the texts, I think, that help you best understand this work. And yeah. And you can, you can only do that, I think, over the course of an entire semester. That's like, that sort of skill building takes time. It takes at, years, but at the very least months. So <laughs> yeah. I think being able to scaffold that throughout the semester without also balancing six different novels, their individual contexts, like, right, would allow you more space to do that.
1: I also was just thinking briefly about how this class would work in a face-to-face class versus like an online class Mm. because I almost think that an online like it could make for a really interesting online class. Tell me more. Well, I guess I was just thinking about like the idea of balancing multiple texts in one semester and developing skills for research and archival research, like an online class that focused on one book, right? So it's almost like, okay, I've got the book down, right? Like I've read it, now I'm working on these like periphery skills, um, and I'm already in an online space. So yeah, that's not fully thought out, but I think it would, I just wonder like, would it work better in an online versus a face-to-face? Or I mean, maybe, you know, maybe that's not even a good question to ask. (laughs) No,
0: I think it is a good question in that everything I've been thinking has still been very discussion-based, which we have learned in this past year, discussions on Zoom, no matter how great they are, are just more draining than they are face-to-face because it's hard to read body language. But you bring up a good point of what are the benefits of a one-novel class in terms of non-seminar discussion assignments that a, that, that you can yeah. pursue, um, and that you were you were kind of alluding to this earlier? That one of the drawbacks of a one-novel class is that in-person discussion grows stale at a certain point. So I think there is maybe something to that. That the assignments you'd have to do aren't necessarily those face-to-face conversations, right? So I don't have much more to say in what those assignments would be and how they would work in online spaces. But...
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I think your sort of exhibit, right? Your cultural artifacts exhibit. Um, if it's like a working exhibit, you know, like one that you're adding to throughout the semester. Yeah. Um, and responding to and responding to in different ways, right? Because again, like, blog posts get stale right um you was thinking too um
0: going back to picnic and hanging rock like say you had a group of students who their key term like i said was like or a key theme was the use of mermaids and mermaid imagery and like mm-hmm. why like just investigating like what's the purpose of this imagery why is she incorporating this we're like in the australian outback so what's with all the mermaids? Um, it would almost allow you to help your students rethink their own ideas, which is something I always want to convey to my students and I say it to them, but I don't think they ever truly believe it. But that idea of like, (laughs) hey, your first idea isn't necessarily going to be-
1: Your best.
0: Yeah, or even what you think after spending two months really ruminating over it. So like, we don't have to commit to that, but if you give them that theme at the beginning, And we do these two readings of the novel and they're kind of like, yes, it would be stale, but like, I'm rabbit holing here folks. So keep going with me, but I I keep thinking about a book Paige And I both recently read uh, Don DeLillo's point Omega and his, the one of the characters writes an essay on a single word. Now I can't remember what that single word was. Do you remember Paige? It was like, rendition. I I think it was rendition or render render
1: it was render render it's render and
0: so he writes this essay about render with all the etymology the connections the different meanings of the word and part of it is that departure from the departure that the word doesn't mean what it means right and i think that would work well for thinking about a literary symbol the word doesn't mean what it means the image isn't what it depicts and so to warp that and allow them to rabbit hole like just what uh-huh. like i'm doing right now over the semester and maybe somehow track that where it's i'm think i don't know entirely like maybe we have like multiple google docs so they can right. see that evolution of their ideas and have it be somewhat quantifiable and as they're researching more about mermaids and like the mythology of it what literary theories have had to say about it like all these different approaches and then at the end what's their final take on it quote-unquote final
1: <laughs> almost um, like, it's almost like um like I don't know like investigative journalism a little bit you know yeah. like, uh,
0: I was yeah. thinking meditation but I think investigative journalism is more exciting and, and truer <laughs> yeah. but Yeah, just coming at it again and again and seeing what you unpack. And I think you have to really work hard to keep it fresh for them so they can't just phone it in and like regurgitate what they did last time and have it become monotonous.
1: Then that has to be one of the objectives, right? To not be passive readers and sort of accept a role as investigating the text. And what do you need to do to investigate it and to not just sort of passively accept a reading of it or um, engage like it you know for that engagement to be that passive like here's what's happening plot some like plot wise
0: which to do that you could get really creative with your teaching like you'd have to force yourself to give these new assignments on things you've taught before but you have to do it again and again you can't just assign the same thing every week like and so you can have like one time your students focus on the imagery of whatever you're talking about, but another week, like, and where they're working together to unpack it. But the next week have that small group divide themselves into two and they have to debate each other <laughs> and yeah. like, really interrogate their ideas. And then another week, like
1: synthesize what other people have said. I don't know. Um, it's one of those classes that would take a lot of scaffolding. Yes. Because right? if you I, just go in and, and depend on like that discussion, like, slash lecture format it would get old and
0: you'd have to be really transparent with your students like explain to them this is what we're doing and this is why we're doing it Mm -hmm. so that way they understand clearly the objectives. I think sometimes we go over the objectives the first day of the semester, and then we just rely on our students to know what we're doing. Be how they're connected. Yeah. Yeah. You, you have to make the connection. So that way they see the work is valuable because otherwise they're like, yeah, we're talking about that passage again. It's like, no, but think, This time.
1: <laughs> I think the other part of transparency for this is, is especially like for me and you to say like, we've not done this before. Mm-hmm. And so embedding some reflective assignments in in terms of like how is this working and like you said being flexible to switch it up um, if it's you know crashing and burning.
0: I think have a backup text in mind like if I was I don't know I was thinking before about like uh, Donna Tart. if I was going to do like one of her novels maybe have either like another one of her works or maybe like a Brett Easton Ellis novel to show like that kind of crossover mm-hmm. author collaboration
1: because something. we've all been in the situation where we were really jazzed about teaching a novel and it just goes really poorly I don't know what you're talking about Paige. that's never yeah. happened to me okay, <laughs> okay well it's happened- <laughs> yeah so, and you just cannot wait to finish that unit those weeks of reading that and move on to something else because it just didn't hit the way you wanted it to you know you're not sharing it the way that you intended to. What if I talk Corregidor as my one novel? Of course.
0: <laughs> I wish everyone could see your face right
1: now. <laughs> Margaret, I, you know, I support you. If you, what, 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 you go with what you think.
0: Honestly, uh, though, I say that as like a kidding just because we know I love to teach that novel so much. And, but the students hate it. But the thing is, the more they reflect on it, the more they're like, that novel does what it wants to do really well. And I wonder, how would it be over a semester?
1: Okay, l- just let it be a summer semester, okay? Yeah, oh,
0: yeah, it would have to be a summer semester. Six but even then, the snakes ten. start to eat its own tail by the end. <laughs> I think, and that's the other thing, just because you love a text does not mean you want to spend 16 weeks with it.
1: Yeah, I mean, and just because you didn't love a text... Doesn't mean you can't spend 16 weeks with it because I didn't love o- the overstory.
0: So I feel like I have a lot of ideas now, but not too much more to say at this point.
1: I don't yeah. Know, no- any
0: burning thoughts?
1: No, I can't think of any. Um, do you want to tell us your dream class, Margaret? Yes. Uh, I've been talking about Picnic at Hanging Rock so much today
0: that it is part of my dream course now, um, along with Point Omega, which I also talked about. I think it'd be really fun to teach a class about disappearance like people who mysteriously vanish with no explanation and I want to teach this because my objective would be having my students consider a satisfactory work and in terms of like how much information they're given Mm -hmm. um so like do you have to know what happens to feel satisfied do you need a happy ending to feel satisfied The answer, I think, to both are no. But what makes it satisfactory then? And really interrogating, like, what a novel needs to do to leave the audience feeling fulfilled. And I think you could pair that with a lot of um, potential criticism, like, starting with, like, Aristotle's theory of tragedy and, like, thinking about, is, like, is it the catharsis that's enough? Is it, like, sort of the questions it provokes? What's what's going on here? So, you know, I would um, include at Hanging Rock, um, point omega maybe lisa co's the levers which unless okay. you do find out what happened to to the character um and you know some other ones but that i think would just be really fun but also since we just talked about that monotony maybe by the end my students would never want to like
1: read, like a kidnapping or vanishing story again but you know <laughs> what about you okay I want to teach a class that's like just on series, like a novel, novels, works that are part of series. And so like maybe Octavia Butler, Seed, and then like what happens when the series, like a trilogy isn't finished. Oh. Vandermeer and the Southern Reach trilogy. I don't think I would do Lord of the Rings, but obviously I'm going to throw it out there. Mm-hmm. Maybe Madeline Ingalls, Wrinkle in Time, and that that is a series. And so like just this idea of like, creating worlds that uh, travel across books right to, and like with Octavia Butler um Parable of the Sower and then uh like the first and the second books are from different perspectives um and that and she does that a lot you know um and so what happens when the world is shown to us from a different perspective so on and so forth oh my god though I was just thinking I was like would I do Dune um oh. but would that would I do that as like a one novel class? You know, it's funny you say that because you got me
0: thinking about one novel classes where I was thinking um, Dorothy Richardson's Painted Roofs series where it's like yeah. 11 novels where like, but can you do that as a one novel course? Like what a series count.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that too. Like, could a series count? Is that like a, a loophole to the one? I mean, I think it's a, a one author class.
0: True, but what if you only read their series? If, like, is it still one author <laughs> if you're reading series, any of their yeah. other works?
1: i don't know yeah huh that's like a is a hot dog a sandwich question it is i don't know the answer to it
0: i i guess we'll have to
1: figure it out for next week yes maybe probably not i think we'll move on next week It's too <laughs> like <late. laughs> well until then all right margaret